irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. You can support Sapphire Planet by visiting the online store at sapphireplanet.com. Welcome. Your journey is just beginning. You are now entering the Sapphire Planet. You are now in the Sapphire Planet. The attack on Pearl Harbor was a surprise military strike conducted by the Imperial Japanese Navy against the United States Naval Base at Pearl Harbor, Hawaii on the morning of December 7, 1941. The attack led to the United States' entry into World War II. The attack was intended as a preventative action in order to keep the U.S. Pacific Fleet from interfering with military actions the Empire of Japan was planning in Southeast Asia against overseas territories of the United Kingdom, the Netherlands, and the United States. There were simultaneous Japanese attacks on the U.S.-held Philippines and on the British Empire in Malaya, Singapore, and Hong Kong. From the standpoint of the United States, the attack commenced at 7.48 a.m. Hawaiian time. The base was attacked by 353 Japanese fighter planes, bombers, and torpedo planes in two waves, launched from six Japanese aircraft carriers. All eight U.S. Navy battleships were damaged, with four being sunk. All but one, the Arizona, were later raised, and six of the eight battleships were returned to service and went on to fight in the war. 
The Japanese also sank or damaged three cruisers, three destroyers, an anti-aircraft training ship, and one mine layer. 188 U.S. aircraft were destroyed, 2,403 Americans were killed, and 1,178 others were wounded. Important base installations, such as the power station, shipyard maintenance, and fuel and torpedo storage facilities, as well as the submarine piers and headquarters buildings, which was incidentally also home of all the intelligence section, were not attacked. Japanese losses were light. 29 aircraft and five midget submarines lost, and 65 servicemen killed or wounded. One Japanese sailor was captured. The attack came as a profound shock to the American people and led directly to the American entry into World War II in both the Pacific and European theaters. The following day, December 8th, the United States declared war on Japan. Domestic support for non-interventionism, which had been strong, disappeared overnight. Clandestine support of the Britain Neutrality Patrol was replaced by active alliance. Subsequent operations by the U.S. prompted Germany and Italy to declare war on the U.S. on December 11th, which was reciprocated by the United States on the same day. Years later, several writers alleged that parties high in the U.S. and British governments knew of the attack in advance. However, this advanced knowledge conspiracy theory is rejected by all mainstream historians. There were numerous historical precedents for unannounced military action by by Japan. However, the lack of any formal warning, particularly while negotiations were still apparently going on, led President Franklin D. Roosevelt to proclaim December 7, 1941, a date which will live in infamy, because the attack happened without a declaration of war and without explicit warning. The attack on Pearl Harbor was judged by the Tokyo trials to be a war crime. The attack on Pearl Harbor was intended to neutralize the U.S. Pacific Fleet and hence protect Japan's advance into Malaya and the Dutch East Indies, where it sought access to natural resources such as oil and rubber. War between Japan and the United States had been a possibility of which each nation had been aware and developed contingency plans for since the 1920s. Though tensions did not begin to grow seriously, until Japan's 1931 invasion of Manchuria. 
Over the next decade, Japan continued to expand into China, leading to an all-out war between those countries in 1937. Japan spent considerable effort trying to isolate China and achieve sufficient resource independence to attain victory on the mainland. The Southern Operation was designed to assist these efforts. From December 1937, events such as the Japanese attack on the USS Panay, the Allison Incident, and the Nanking Massacre the International Military Tribunal of the Far East concluded that more than 200,000 Chinese non-combatants were killed in indiscriminate massacres, though other estimates have ranged from 40,000 to more than 300,000, swung public opinion in the West sharply against Japan. Fearing Japanese expansion, the United States the United Kingdom and France provided loan assistance for war supply contracts to the Republic of China. In 1940, Japan invaded French Indochina in an effort to control supplies reaching China. The United States halted shipments of airplanes, parts, machine tools, and aviation gasoline to Japan, which was perceived by Japan as an unfriendly act. The U.S. did not stop oil exports to Japan at that time, in part because prevailing sentiment in Washington was that such an action would be an extreme step, given Japanese dependence on U.S. oil, and likely to be considered a provocation by Japan. Early in 1941, President Franklin D. Roosevelt moved the Pacific Fleet to Hawaii from its previous base in San Diego and ordered a military buildup in the Philippines in the hope of discouraging Japanese aggression in the Far East. Because the Japanese high command was mistakenly certain that any attack on Britain's Southeast Asian colonies would bring the U.S. into war, a devastating preventive strike appeared to be the only way to avoid U.S. naval interference. An invasion of the Philippines was also considered necessary by Japanese war planners. The U.S. war plan Orange had envisioned defending the Philippines with a 40,000-man elite force this was opposed by Douglas MacArthur, who felt that he would need a force ten times that size and was never implemented. By 1941, U.S. planners anticipated abandonment of the Philippines at the outbreak of the war, and orders to that effect were given in late 1941 to Admiral Thomas Hart, commander of the Asiatic Fleet. The U.S. ceased oil exports to Japan in July 1941, following Japanese expansion into French Indochina after the fall 
of France, in part because the new American reconstructions on domestic oil consumption. This, in turn, caused the Japanese to proceed with plans to take the Dutch East Indies, an oil-rich territory. On August 17th, Roosevelt warned Japan that the U.S. was prepared to take steps against Japan if it attacked neighboring countries. The Japanese were faced with the option of either withdrawing from China and losing face, or seizing and securing new sources of raw materials in the resource-rich European-controlled colonies of Southeast Asia. Japan and the U.S. engaged in negotiations during the course of 1941 and in an effort to improve relations. During these negotiations, Japan offered to withdraw from most of China and Indonesia when peace was made with the nationalist government. It adopted an independent interpretation of the Tripartite Pact and did not discriminate in trade provided all other countries reciprocated. Washington rejected these proposals. Japanese Prime Minister Kanoi then offered to personally meet with President Roosevelt but Roosevelt insisted on coming to an agreement before any meeting. The U.S. ambassador to Japan repeatedly urged Roosevelt to accept the meeting, warning that it was the only way to preserve the conciliatory Kanoi government and peace in the Pacific. His recommendation was not acted upon. The Kanoi government collapsed the following month when the Japanese military refused to agree with the withdrawal of all troops from China. Japan's final proposal on November 20, 1941, offered to withdraw their forces from southern Indochina and not to launch any attacks in Southeast Asia, provided that the U.S., Britain, and the Netherlands ceased aiding China and lifted their sanctions against Japan. The American counterproposal, six days later on November 26th, required Japan to evacuate all of China without conditions and conclude non-aggression pacts with the Pacific powers. This was known as the whole note. However, the day before the whole note was delivered, on November 26th in Japan, the main Japanese attack fleet left port for Pearl Harbor. Preliminary planning for an attack on Pearl Harbor to protect the move into the southern resource area, the Japanese term for the Dutch East Indies and Southeast Asia generally, had begun very early in 1941 under the auspices of Admiral Isoruko Yamamoto, then commanding Japan's combined fleet. He won assent to formal planning and training for an attack 
from the Imperial Japanese Navy General Staff only after much contention with naval headquarters, including a threat to resign his command. Full-scale planning was underway by early spring 1941, primarily by Rear Admiral Wensuki Kusaka, with assistance from Captain Minoru Genda and Yamamoto's Deputy Chief of Staff, Captain Kamado Kurashima. The planners studied the 1940 British air attack on the Italian fleet at Toronto intensively. Over the next several months, pilots trained, equipment was adapted, and intelligence collected. Despite these preparations, Emperor Hirohito did not approve the attack plan until November 5th, after the third of four imperial conferences called to consider the matter. Final authorization was not given by the emperor until December 1st, after a majority of Japanese leaders advised him the hull note would destroy the fruits of the China incident, endanger Manchukuo, and undermine Japanese control of Korea. By late 1941, many observers believed that hostilities between the U.S. and Japan were imminent. A Gallup poll just before the attack on Pearl Harbor found that 52% of Americans expected war with Japan, 27% did not, and 21% had no opinion. While the U.S. Pacific bases and facilities had been placed on alert on many occasions, U.S. officials doubted Pearl Harbor would be the first target. Instead, they expected the Philippines would be attacked first. This presumption was due to the threat that the air bases throughout the country and the naval base at Manila posed to sea lanes, as well as the shipment of supplies to Japan from territories to the south. They also incorrectly believed that Japan was not capable of mounting more than one major naval operation at a time. Ever since the Japanese attack, there has been debate on how and why the United States had been caught unaware, and how much and when American officials knew of the Japanese plans and related topics. Several writers and former United States Rear Admiral Robert Alfred Theobald have argued that various parties high in the U.S. and British governments knew of the attack in advance and may have even let it happen or encouraged it in order to force America into a war via the so-called back door. However, the, this Pearl Harbor advanced knowledge conspiracy theory is rejected by the entire mainstream of historians. The attack had several major aims. First, it intended to destroy important American fleet units, thereby preventing the Pacific Fleet from interfering with Japanese conquest of the Dutch East Indies and Malaya. Second, it was hoped by the time for Japan to consolidate its position 
and increase its naval, naval strength before shipbuilding authorized by the 1940 Vizen Walsh Act erased any chance of victory. Finally, it was meant to deliver a severe blow to American morale, one which would discourage Americans from committing to a war extending into the Western Pacific Ocean and Dutch East Indies. To maximize the effort on morale, battleships were chosen as the main targets, since they were the prestige ship of any of Navy at that time. The overall intention was to enable Japan to conquer Southeast Asia without any American interference. Striking the Pacific Fleet at anchor in Pearl Harbor carried two distinct disadvantages. The targeted ships would be in very shallow water, so it would be relatively easy to salvage and possibly repair them, and most of the crews would survive the attack, since many would be on shore leave or would be rescued from the harbor. A further important disadvantage, this of timing, and known to the Japanese, was the absence from Pearl Harbor of all three of the U.S. Pacific Fleet's aircraft carriers, which were the Enterprise, the Lexington, and the Saratoga. The Imperial Japanese Navy top command was so imbued with Admiral Mahan's decisive battle doctrine, especially that of destroying the maximum number of battleships, that despite these concerns, Yamamoto decided to press ahead. Japanese confidence in their ability to achieve a short, victorious war also meant other targets in the harbor, especially the Navy Yard, oil tank farms, and submarine base, were ignored, since, by their thinking, the war would be over before the influence of these facilities could be felt. On November 26, 1941, a Japanese task force, known as the Striking Force, of six aircraft carriers, the Agagi, Gaga, Soryu, Hiryu, Shokaku, and Zukaku, departed northern Japan en route to a position northwest of Hawaii, intending to launch its 408 aircraft to Pearl Harbor, 360 for two attack waves, and 48 on defensive combat air patrol, including nine fighters from the first wave. The first wave was to be the primary attack, while the second wave was to attack carriers as first objective and cruisers as the second objective. Afterwards, the second wave was to attack battleships. The first wave carried most of the weapons to attack capital ships, mainly specially adapted Type 91 aerial torpedoes, which were designed with an anti-roll mechanism and a rudder extension that let them operate in shallow water. 
the air crews were ordered to select the highest value targets, battleships and aircraft carriers, or, if these were not present, any other high value ships, which were cruisers and destroyers. First wave dive bombers were to attack ground targets. Fighters were ordered to strafe and destroy as many parked aircraft as possible to ensure they did not get in the air to intercept the bombers, especially in the first wave. When the fighters' fuel got low, they were to refuel at the aircraft carriers and return to combat. Fighters were to serve, to serve defensive duties when needed, especially over U.S. airfields. Before the attack commenced, two reconnaissance aircraft launched from cruisers Chikuma and Tone were sent to scout over Oahu and Maui and report on the U.S. fleet composition and location. Reconnaissance aircraft flights risked alerting the U.S. and were not necessary. U.S. fleet composition and preparedness information in Pearl Harbor was already known due to the reports of the Japanese spy Takeo Yakushuga. A report of the absence of the U.S. fleet in Lanai, Anchorage off Maui, was received from the fleet submarine I-72. Another four scout planes patrolled the area between the Japanese carrier force, the Kido Brutai, and Nihai, to detect any counterattack. Fleet submarines I-16, I-18, I-20, I-22, and I-24 each embarked a Type A midget submarine for transport to the waters off Oahu. The five I-boats left Coor Naval District on November 25, 1941. On December 6, they came within 10 nautical miles of the mouth of Pearl Harbor and launched their midget subs at about 0100 hours on December 7. At 0342 Hawaiian time, the minesweeper Condor spotted a midget submarine periscope southwest of the Pearl Harbor entrance buoy and alerted the destroyer Ward. The midget may have entered Pearl Harbor. However, Ward sank another midget submarine at 0637 in the first American shots in the Pacific Theater. A midget submarine on the north side of Ford Island missed the seaplane tender Curtis with her first torpedo and missed the attacking destroyer Monaghan with her other one before being sunk by the Monaghan at 8.43 hours. A third midget submarine grounded twice, once outside the harbor entrance and again on the east side of Oahu, where it was captured on December 8th. Ensign Kazuo Sakamaki swam ashore and was captured by a Hawaiian National Guard Corporal David Aku, becoming the first Japanese prisoner of war. 
A fourth sub had been damaged by a depth charge attack and was abandoned by its crew before it could fire its torpedoes. Japanese forces received a radio message from a submarine at 041 on December 8th, claiming damage to one or more large war vessels inside Pearl Harbor. The fifth submarine was found in three parts, in 1992, 2000, and 2001 by Hawaii Underseas Research Laboratory, submarines outside of Pearl Harbor, within U.S. amphibious warfare debris fields. Both torpedoes were missing, and their fate correlates to the reports of firing two torpedoes at a light cruiser, St. Louis, at 10.04 a.m. at Pearl Harbor entrance and possible torpedo firing at destroyer Helm at 8.21 hours. The attack took place before any formal declaration of war was made by Japan, but this was not Admiral Yamatoto's intentions. He originally stipulated that the attack should not commence until 30 minutes after Japan had informed the United States that peace negotiations were at an end. The Japanese tried to uphold the conventions of war while still achieving surprise, but the attack began before the notice could be delivered. Tokyo transmitted the 5,000-word notification, commonly called the 14-part message, in two blocks to the Japanese embassy in Washington. But transcribing the message took too long for the Japanese ambassador to deliver it in time. In fact, U.S. codebreakers had already deciphered and translated most of the message hours before he was scheduled to deliver it. In the final part of the 14-part message, is sometimes described as a declaration of war. While it neither declared war nor served diplomatic relations, it was viewed by a number of U.S. senior government and military officials as a very strong indicator that negotiations were likely to be terminated and that war may break out at any moment. A declaration of war was printed on the front page of Japan's newspaper in the evening edition on December 8th, but not delivered to the U.S. government until the day after the attack. For decades, conventional wisdom held that Japan attacked without any official warning of a break in relations, only because of accidents and bumbling that delayed the delivery of a document hinting at a war to Washington. In 1999, however, a law professor of international relations at International Christian University in Tokyo discovered documents that pointed to a vigorous debate inside the government over how, and indeed whether, to notify Washington of Japan's intention to break off negotiations and start a war, including 
a December 7th entry in the War Diary saying, Our deceptive diplomacy is steadily proceeding towards success. Of this, it is said, The diary shows that the Army and Navy did not want to give any proper declaration of war, or indeed prior notice even of the termination of negotiations. And the Army and Navy clearly prevailed. The first wave of attack of 183 planes was launched north of Oahu, led by Commander Mitsu Fuchada. It included the first group, whose targets were battleships and aircraft carriers, and it had 49 Nakajima B-5N Kate bombers, armed with 800 kilograms armor-piercing bombs, organized in four sections and 40 BN-5 bombers armed with Type 91 torpedoes, also in four sections. The second group, whose targets were Ford Island and Wheeler Field, had 51 Valdive bombers armed with 550-pound general-purpose bombs. And finally, the third group, which targets include aircraft at Ford Island, Hickman Airfield, Wheeler Airfield, Barber's Point, and Kanoa Hay, had 43 Mitsubishi's A6M-0 fighters for air control and strafing. Out of all those planes, only six failed to launch due to technical difficulties. The first wave approached Oahu. It was detected by the U.S. Army's SCR-270 radar at Opana Point near the island's northern tip. This post had been in training mode for months, but was not yet operational. Although the operators, Private George Elliott Jr. and Joseph Lockhart, reported a target, a newly assigned officer at the thinly manned intercept center, Lieutenant Kermit A. Tyler, presumed it was a scheduled arrival of six B-17 bombers. The direction from which the aircraft were coming was close. Only a few degrees separated the two inbound courses. While the operators had never seen a formation as large on their radar, they neglected to tell Tyler of its size while Tyler, for security reasons, could not tell them the B-17s were due, even though it was widely known. The first wave planes approached Oahu. They encountered and shot down several U.S. aircraft. At least one of these radioed a somewhat incoherent warning. Other warnings from ships off the harbor entrance were still being processed or waiting confirmation when the attacking planes began bombing and strafing. Nevertheless, it was not clear any warnings would have had much effect, even if they had been interpreted correctly and had been much more promptly issued. 
The results the Japanese achieved in the Philippines were essentially the same as in Pearl Harbor, although MacArthur had almost nine hours' warning that the Japanese already attacked Pearl Harbor. The air portion of the attack on Pearl Harbor began at 0748 hours Hawaiian time with the attack on the Kanoaho. A total of 353 Japanese planes in two waves reached Oahu. Slow, vulnerable torpedo bombers led the first wave, exploiting the first moments of surprise to attack the most important ships present. Which were the battleships, while dive bombers attacked U.S. air bases across Oahu, starting with Hickman Field, the largest, and Wheeler Field, the main U.S. Army Air Force's fighter base. The 171 planes in the second wave attacked the Army Air Force's Bellows Field near Kanoho, on the windward side of the island, and Ford Island. The only aerial opposition came from a handful of P-36 Hawks, P-40 Warhawks, and some SBD Dauntless dive bombers from the carrier, the USS Enterprise. Men aboard U.S. ships awoke to the sounds of alarms, bombs exploding, and gunfire. Prompting bleary-eyed men to dress as they ran to general quarter stations. The famous message, "Air raid Pearl Harbor. This is not a drill," was sent from the headquarters of Patrol Wing Two, the first senior Hawaiian command to respond. The defenders were very unprepared. Ammunition lockers were locked. Aircraft parked wingtip to wingtip in the open to deter sabotage. Guns unmanned. None of the Navy's 538s, only a quarter of its machine guns, and only four of the 31 Army batteries got into action. Despite this low alert status. Many American military personnel responded effectively during the attack. Ensign Joe Tasig Jr., aboard the USS Nevada, commanded the ship's anti-aircraft guns and was severely wounded, but continued to be on post. Lieutenant Commander F.J. Thomas was commanding the USS Nevada in the captain's absence. And got her underway until the ship was grounded at 9:10 a.m. One of the destroyers, USS Alwyn, got underway with only four officers aboard, all ensigns, none with more than a year's sea duty. She operated at sea for 36 hours before her commanding officer managed to get back on board. Captain Mervin Benyon, commanding the USS West Virginia, led his men until he was cut down by fragments from a bomb, which hit USS Tennessee, moored alongside the West Virginian.
The Second Wave Composition The second planned wave consisted of 171 planes, 54 BFNN-81 D3As and 36 A6Ms, commanded by Lieutenant Commander Shigaxi Shimakatsi. Four planes failed to launch because of technical difficulties. The wave and its targets comprised of three groups. The first group was 54 BFI-N armed with 550-pound general-purpose bombs. And their targets were the aircraft and hangars on Kanoa, Ford Island, and Barbers Point, and the hangars and aircraft at Hickman Field. The second group was targeted for aircraft carriers and cruisers and had 73 D3As armed with 550-pound general-purpose bombs. And then finally, the third group of the second wave. Targets were aircraft at Ford Island, Hickman Field, Wheeler Field, Barbers Point, Kanoahe, and it had 35 A6Ms for defense and strafing. The second wave was divided into three groups. One of the groups was tasked to attack Kanehoa, the rest Pearl Harbor proper. The separate sections arrived at the attack point almost simultaneously from several directions. Ninety minutes after it began, the attack was over. As 2,008 sailors were killed, and 710 others were wounded. 218 soldiers and airmen who were part of the army were killed and 364 others were wounded. 109 Marines were killed and 69 others were wounded and 68 civilians were killed and 35 others were wounded. In total, 2,403 Americans died and 1,178 others were wounded during the attack. Eighteen ships were sunk or run aground, including five battleships. All of the Americans killed or wounded during the attack were non-combatants, given the fact that there was no state of war when the attack occurred. Of the American facilities, nearly half of the total 1,177 were due to the explosion of the Arizona's forward magazine after it was hit by a modified 40-centimeter or 16-inch shell. So that one bomb killed 1,177 people with one hit on the Arizona's forward magazine. Already damaged by torpedo and on fire amidship, the USS Nevada attempted to exit the harbor. She was targeted by many Japanese bombers as she got underway and sustained more hits from 250-pound bombs, which started further fires. She was deliberately beached to avoid blocking the harbor entrance. The USS California was hit by two bombs 
and two torpedoes. The crew might have kept her afloat, but were ordered to abandon ship just as they were raising power for the pumps. Burning oil from the Arizona and West Virginia drifted down on her and probably made the situation look worse than it was. The disarmed target ship, Utah, was holed twice by torpedoes. West Virginia was hit by seven torpedoes, the seventh tearing away her rudder. The USS Oklahoma was hit by four torpedoes, the last two above her belt armor, which caused her to capsize. Maryland was hit by two of the converted 40-centimeter shells, but neither caused serious damage. All those the Japanese concentrated on battleships, the largest vessels present, they did not ignore other targets. The light cruiser Helena was torpedoed, and the concussion from the blast capsized the neighboring mine layer Ogala. Two destroyers in dry dock, the Cassin and the Downs, were destroyed when bombs penetrated their fuel bunkers. The leaking fuel caught fire, flooding the dry dock in an effort to fight fire made the burning oil rise and both were burned out. The USS Cassin slipped from her keel blocks and rolled against the downs. The light cruiser Raleigh was holed by a torpedo. The light cruiser Honolulu was damaged but remained in service. The repair vessel Vestal moored alongside the Arizona was heavily damaged and beached. The seaplane tender Curtis was also damaged. The destroyer Shaw was badly damaged when two bombs penetrated her forward magazine. Of the 402 American aircraft in Hawaii, an astounding 188 were destroyed and 159 damaged. 155 of them on the ground. Almost none was actually ready to take off to defend the base. Eight Army Air Force pilots managed to get airborne during the attack, and six were credited with downing at least one Japanese aircraft during the attack. First Lieutenant Lewis M. Sanders, Second Lieutenant Philip M. Rappesmason, Second Lieutenant Kenneth M. Taylor, Second Lieutenant George S. Welch, Second Lieutenant Harry W. Brown, and Second Lieutenant Gordon H. Sterling, Jr. Sterling was shot down by Lieutenant Fujita over Kanohoa Bay and is listed as body not recovered. Johnny Danes was killed by friendly fire, returning from a victory over Kawa. Of 33 PBYs in Hawaii, 24 were destroyed and six others damaged beyond repair. The three on patrol returned undamaged. Friendly fire brought down some U.S. planes on top of that, including five from an inbound flight from Enterprise. Japanese attacks on barracks killed additional additional personnel. At the time of the attack, nine civilian aircraft were flying in the vicinity of Pearl Harbors. Of these, three were shot down.
55 Japanese airmen and nine submariners were killed in the action, and one was captured. Of Japan's 414 available planes, 29 were lost during the battle, nine in the first attack wave, 20 in the second, and another with another 74 damaged by aircraft fire from the ground. Your journey is now ending. You are now leaving the Sapphire Planet. Goodbye from the Sapphire Planet. Own a piece of the planet. Now you can purchase Sapphire Planet merchandise online at sapphireplanet.com.